0: Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road Church in Guildford, UK. Thank you for joining us on the journey, wherever you are in the world. You can find out more about who we are and what we're up to at EmmausRoad.com. Praise God. Praise God. Well, it's a real privilege to share with you this morning. And I want to speak to you today about no shrinking back, no shrinking back. So, I was born in Iran in 1974. My father is Iranian, my mother's British. Actually, they're both here today. So, um, uh, I was born there and I've had the privilege of seeing um, and meeting many people who have faced extraordinary challenges, a lot of difficulty, a lot of suffering. And I've seen them stand and stay faithful. And not just stay faithful, but keep going forward. And I want to really talk about that idea of not shrinking back. I remember when I was really a child, hearing the story of Mark and Gladys Bliss. Mark and Gladys were American missionaries who'd gone to Iran in the 1960s. And they were serving there. They were taking a trip from Tehran to Gorgan, a city in the north, and they were driving. They were in a terrible car accident. They had three children, and all three died instantly at the scene of the crash. And Gladys was uh, in a coma. Her life was in the balance. And as a child, I remember hearing the story of Mark when he went back home The first thing he did is he went to his piano and played, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And that, actually, that's the story that shaped the way that I worship more than any as a child. Gladys survived, and they prayed a simple prayer. Despite all the pain, they prayed a prayer. They said, Lord, we've planted three seeds for you in Iran. Will you give us a harvest? What's interesting about that story is about 80 years before, there was a missionary from Scotland called Robert Bruce who had gone to serve in Iran, and there was very little fruit. There was no fruit, in fact. And he wrote back to his friends and his supporters from Iran, and he said that uh, we are not reaping a harvest. We're not even watering the crops. We're not planting seeds. We're not even plowing the ground. We are just removing the stones. And so here is Mark and Gladys now planting seeds. I was 19 years old in London. My dad was pastoring an Iranian church. And uh, his very close friend in Iran, who had come to faith actually in their home as a child, Haik Hosepian Mair, had disappeared in January 1994. Haik had campaigned for a man called Meti Dibaj, who had been in prison for nine years and sentenced to death. Haik disappeared. The church was praying. Ten days. It was a Sunday evening, I believe, and there was a, 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 a baptism service. My father was going to baptize 13 people. Phone call comes to the back of the church, and I was there. There was only a few people there, and uh, my dad takes the call, and from his face, we knew what the news was. His very close friend had been stabbed multiple times and martyred. Dad said, We're going to go ahead with the baptism. Baptized 13 people. And from the baptism pool afterwards, tells the church who knew and loved Hike the news. And as his tears rolled down into the waters of baptism, something in my mind sacred happened. It was the end. But in my mind, it was the end of the beginning. Because from that time, the church has had a conviction and a courage to keep going forward. How? A courage to keep going forward in a country that seems so impossible to reach. And you think of England today. How impossible? Is it more impossible than Iran was? Seven and a half years ago, my very close friend, Farshid, who had trained with Elam Ministries and gone back in 2005, started with two families. And he uh, had, by 2010, 50 house churches. Hundreds of people had come to faith. They had witnessed the thousands and thousands of people. But that December 26th was arrested. And I actually got a voicemail from my friend, left on my voicemail. David, we've been arrested. Ladan, who's here, was one of those. Sarah, many others, 60 people. We're all in prison. We're sure God will never leave us or forsake us. Just pray for us. We didn't hear from Farshid for a long time. 361 days in solitary confinement. And then sometime, maybe two and a half years into it. I got a letter from my friend, written from prison. My very dear David, how are you, my brother? How are you, my friend? How is Louise? Please give my love to her and to your lovely kids. By the grace of the Lord and the saints' prayers, I'm fine. Not just fine, but rejoicing in God's goodness and love. We are four brothers here. And we had Holy Communion on my bed. Could you imagine four men there? But the wonderful presence of the Lord was there. And we were celebrating our salvation. Not only celebrating our salvation, we were celebrating God's gift which has been given to us. The gift of suffering. Why should we not be happy for this wonderful gift? If God gives someone a gift of healing or a gift of faith, or any other gift would he not be happy with that gift of course he will and that's what i shared with my brothers before communion which is written in philippians 1:29 paul says it has been granted to us not only to believe in christ but also suffer for his sake what an honor what a wonderful gift And that's why I'm rejoicing that many people here say, I'm the most happy person here. Yes, I am, by His grace. The church in Iran has faced all sorts of challenges of faith, all kinds of discouragements, all kinds of moments where it looked absolutely impossible. And as you look at England today, What do you believe? Can this nation be changed? Persecution threatened to wipe out Iran's tiny church. And yet it's become the fastest growing church in the world today, according to missions researchers. In 1979, about 500 Christians from a Muslim background. Today, Hundreds of thousands of Iranian Muslims have come to faith. And that's because people like Farshid have had that willingness to not give up, to keep going, to keep preaching the gospel. And that's what we need in this nation today. Don't believe the lies that it can't happen because it can. Jesus is still the answer of the human heart. Beautiful stories in the church in Iran, many, many, many wonderful stories, incredible stories. A a woman comes to faith in the north of Iran. She is fairly influential in her city. She loves the Lord Jesus. She decides to have a party, a fantastic story. She has a a party. It's a week-long party in her home. Have you ever had a week-long party? Uh, You probably don't want to tell us about those uh, (laughs) week-long parties. But this was a different party. This was a party to tell her family about Jesus. And in one week, 24 members of her family came to Christ. The oldest was 79, the youngest was 8. Jesus is working in Iran because of this conviction that we will keep going, we will not shrink back. We have faith that something will happen because He is true. I just heard a beautiful story, a testimony of a young girl in Turkey. Her and her family were about to go to Greece on a boat. You've seen those pictures of the boats, those rubber, those inflatable dinghies were packed with people. And she'd heard that this was danger. She'd heard that people die. She was afraid. The night before, they were about to go. She has a dream. And in her dream, Jesus appears to her. You're taking great risks. I'll save you. She wakes up, she's terrified. Look, and she says, "Mommy, daddy, we're we're going to it, it's not good. Let's not do this." And they say, "We're going to be okay." They get in the boat past midnight. Go dark, cold. The boat begins to sink. 30 people screaming and shouting. They're all praying to the God of Islam. Some to the imams and Imam Reza and Imam whatever. She prays to Jesus, and she said, I had incredible peace. You said you'd save us. And suddenly, patrol comes by, rescues them, goes back to Turkey, is invited to our church in that city. And guess what the first sermon she ever hears? Jesus walking on the water. She was baptized just a few weeks ago. The stories are incredible. There's so much that is happening. The church is growing rapidly, but it's come with a price, as I've indicated. It's come with a price. They've had to show faith. And that is where there's a connection to us today because sometimes these stories from mission seems so far away. I was like, oh, well, that's wonderful. God works over there. But what about here? But I believe that's the connection, because we all face challenges of faith, don't we? We all face discouragement. We all face setbacks. We all face uh, disappointment. And there comes this moment in our life, personally, for the family who was just mentioned here, and also for this nation. Lord, is it worth keeping on? Is it worth, is it worth all this investment in prayer and, and believing? We all come to that. Have you ever come to that moment where you, you say, ah, this disappointment, and, and they tell me about faith? That challenge, that life has a habit of bringing us face to face with that challenge. And so that's what I want to talk to us today. Because it's not just about Iran. It's about us today. What are we going to do In the situations we're in individually, as a church here in Guildford, as a church here in the United Kingdom. What are we going to do when we come face to face with those challenges? The big vision, the disappointments, the setbacks. So I want to talk actually out of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 32 to 39. Just make a few comments from there and then wrap it all up. So if you can turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 10, 32 to 39. Lord, I pray you would bless your word to us today. May it really open up and change our hearts and our minds. And it says this, But recall the former days uh, when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward." Who have faith and preserve their souls. Hebrews was written to Christians facing discouragement, persecution, and some of them even imprisonment. Things weren't turning out as they expected. Some were walking away from the faith, abandoning Jesus. And so the writer's writing to them basically to encourage them to keep going. He says things like this, he says, do not fall away, hold fast, encourage one another, draw near, don't drift away, have assurance of hope, hold hope, hold fast to hope without wavering. Jesus, he says, is worthy of all of our trust, all of our devotion, because he is supreme over everything and everyone. And so he's writing this, and he comes to this passage, and he says again to them, because he knows that all of us come to this moment. Where we've got to decide to keep going, to keep believing, to say yes. Uh, the, the, things may not have turned out as I was expecting, but I'm going to keep going. Things are not as you expected in England and Guildford, in your school, in your home, in your family. Will you keep going? It was very hard in Iran. People were praying, but people weren't coming to faith. Robert Bruce was just removing stones. Did he keep? He removed those stones. And he says, don't be like those who shrink back. Why? Because shrinking back means being destroyed. Shrinking back means being destroyed, but keeping the faith means an eternal reward. So three quick things. Number one, he says, remember what it was like. Remember when you came to faith, when you first were enlightened, when you first... First, had that moment where you understood what Jesus did, you were so excited to do, you would do whatever, right? You were you were so ready. You said, Jesus, sure, I'll do, I'll do whatever. And then you suffer a bit, and then you realize, hold on, that that is actually suffering. That doesn't feel very good. And these guys that they were writing to were even, when they first became Christians, they were joyful when their property was taken away from them. You were, it doesn't just say you accepted it. You were joyful. You were happy. He said, great, because we got a better reward. But then life happens, and, and you begin to think, well, I've actually probably got another 10, 20, 30 years on this earth, and what am I going to do? They've taken my property. Maybe this isn't such a good deal after all. Maybe we need to go back to plan B or have plan B and, and plan C for that matter. And he's saying, don't. Give up your confidence, number two. Don't give up your confidence. And I want to say to Emmaus Road, to the church in England, don't give up your confidence in Jesus Christ. Never give up your confidence because he will bring the reward. The promise will come to you. In your family situation, don't give up your confidence. And it's so tempting, isn't it, to think it's not possible because of disappointment? And so you begin to think, Lord, how can I keep my confidence? I want to tell you the story of Asreen. Asreen is a wonderful part of our team. When she was four years old, she's a Kurd. The Kurds have suffered greatly over the years. And uh, when she was four years old, the government of Iran, the Ayatollahs, killed six of her cousins. And she grew up in a home. She said, the cemetery became my childhood playground because they would go regularly to mourn the six cousins. And it was a depressing place, but they were angry. They used to curse the pictures of the ayatollahs which were everywhere, they hated them, they, they loathed them, they were angry and they wanted revenge. When she was 20 years old, she decided that she would go to the mountains of Iraq to be trained as an Iraqi militia, as a Kurdish militia. And her mother had left years before and ended up in the States. She would become depressed and upset with the whole thing, she left. When her mother heard that she was going to be trained in the mountains of North Iraq, She uh, called her and said, come one last time to visit me. So Asrin goes from Iran to Turkey to try and get a visa to the United States. In Ankara, one of our team, an evangelist, comes and gives her a copy of the New Testament. So she sits on a park bench and begins to read the New Testament. She comes to the story of Lazarus and Jesus raising him from the dead. And she says, Jesus, if you can raise me from the dead, I will serve you. And today's Pentecost. She had no idea what the Holy Spirit was. But she said, the presence of God came to me on that park bench. She says, I didn't go to the mountains of Iraq. She was discipled. She actually came to be trained with Elam Ministries. <laughs> and uh, ended up being... Church planter, church pastor uh, uh, pastor 's wife, and has had a fabulous ministry last year she 's in her church. a woman walks in young woman she 'd been given a New Testament on the streets, and one of the things that we do as a ministry is we give out new testaments. We translated the Bible into modern Persian, printed ten thousand copies to begin with. I remember thinking, what are we going to do with ten thousand copies? Today, we've printed 1.8 million New Testaments for Iran. Praise the Lord. So this girl, Shima, has received a New Testament, read it in four days, comes to the church, gives her life to Christ. Two weeks later, she comes again. She's got 10 more people with her. And uh, Asreen says to her, who are these people? She says, I, I've just got excited and started telling. I thought that's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> so that's what we're supposed to do, guys. And so... Asrín said, This is a special girl. She begins to invest in disciple Shima. A few months later, Shema comes to Asreen and says, Asreen, would you pray for my family? Sure, I'll pray for your family. But you don't know who they are. Who are they? She shows her a picture of her grandfather. And Asreen is taken aback. She's confronted by a picture of one of the ayatollahs of Iran. she knows that there were so many times that she could have given up her ministry one day her child had been their house had been broken into and her son they nearly tried to abduct him and take kidnap him bombs and uh, fighting on the streets of where they lived so many opportunities people telling her you're crazy to do this somehow they kept going here she has a reward Because she notices that her heart is totally transformed. She said, I looked at that picture and I had a heart of love and compassion. I used to curse them. Now I was blessing him, asking Jesus to save his soul. My friends, when we keep going, there's a reward. She has a little reward here, I'm sure. The reward, she's seen a little of the reward here. The reward is going to be so much greater. And then the final thing he says, and the coming one will come. The coming one will come. My friends, why do we keep going? Because the coming one will come. Jesus will come again. He is coming back and he will not delay. I don't know how what his timetable is for not delay, but it says he will not delay. He will not delay. The coming one will come. Therefore, we do not shrink back. My friends, Jesus will come. And I want to see an England full of the praises of Jesus. And I believe it's possible if you have faith, if you have a big vision and you have faith for that. Because I've seen it with Iran when there were so few. I've had that privilege. And I believe it's possible in the United Kingdom as well challenges yes always always challenges I don't even know what time it is but I probably okay I'm fine Pete says I'm fine so that's okay always challenges can I tell you one more story about Farshid so I was I was, um, had the privilege of going to an event called Lausanne. Lausanne was uh, a congress of 4,000 church leaders from around the world. So, Farshid and I were there together, a few others. And it was a long conference. It was in Cape Town, South Africa. So, if you know anything about Cape Town, it's right on the tip of South Africa. And it's beautiful coastline. But then there's something called Table Mountain, which is 4,000 feet high. So, we were there in the conference, and we got to know a few American guys. And they said there was one afternoon off or day off, actually, in the middle of this long conference. People could do whatever, networking. And these guys came to us and said, we're going mountain biking on Table Mountain. And uh, we thought that sounded great. Now, we had four young children at the time. I was certainly not fit at all. I hadn't ridden bike for years. Neither had Farshid, but we were young and stupid. And uh, so we said yes, because I was imagining we'd go to the top, get some bikes at the top, and uh, just ride around, have fun, you know, like little kids on their scooters or whatever. So we come down, and these guys come basically in sponsored cycling outfits, you know. And I should have known better, but we went. We got in the car, and we were driving. I was fully expecting this car to drive up to the top of the mountain. We come to a sea level. I could see the sea, and so I could see the mountain. Now, we're supposed to. So we get the bikes, and I'm looking for a white van that would going to be putting these bikes in because there's no way we can ride from here but these American guys get on the bikes and I'm thinking oh my goodness so we get on the bikes and uh, we start after five minutes if you haven't ridden a bike uh, once you go a little bit uphill you're, you're, you're burning five minutes I'm burning Fashid is burning then we come to this one part, and, and there, it's literally like this. And I have to get off the bike, sort of push it up. I can't work out. Is it harder walking up with the bike, carrying it? Yeah, I mean, just these guys come back down, and they say, oh, don't worry. It's hard for us. We've ridden 5,000 miles this year, and it's hard for us. 5,000 miles? Now you tell us. <laughs> we have part of our DNA at Elam is a story. It's a, I don't have time for that story, but a story that teaches us how much more A little bit more how much more do you go so both Farshid and I independently have this idea let's just get to the next lamppost let's get to next to the next tree let's get to the next corner so we keep going and about an hour and a half late and it was painful. there were so many times I wanted just to turn around go it would have been so easy just to turn that bike around downhill freewheel down comfortable but somehow we decided to keep going we're in the next corner let's get to that rock and then we get to the top and it was absolutely gorgeous a day like today clear as can be beautiful one of the most exhilarating moments of my life and I suddenly think this is like the Christian life people invite you along say come on you say yeah sure that sounds great And then the challenges come. The difficulties come. You say, oh, I was not expecting that. <laughs> That's ridiculous. You want me to give up that? You want me to do that? You want me to believe I can get to there? And though it's so easy to give up, to shrink back. And so I'm sharing this. I say, but those who get to the top, what joy. What peace. What What a moment of satisfaction. And Farshid says this. If I'm ever in prison in Iran, I will remember this day. Because I know that it's worth it. And it was two months and five days later that he was arrested. The rest of his letter says this. I wrote a poem about my wilderness. I'd like to share it with you. My wilderness is painful but lovely. Some parts of my wilderness are covered with thorns and hurt my feet. But I love it. That's why I call it lovely pain. My wilderness is so hot that my tears disappear before falling on the ground. But it is cool under your shadows. My wilderness Is so hot that my tears disappear before falling on the ground. Sorry, I just read that. I just moved my page. My tears, my wilderness is so hot that my tears disappear before falling on the ground. But it is cool under your shadows. My wilderness is like an endless road, but short compared to eternity. My wilderness is dry, but an oasis with the Holy Spirit's rain. My wilderness seems to be a lonely trip, but I am not alone. My wilderness is dangerous, but safe, because I dwell between his shoulders. So I love my wilderness, because it takes me to the deeper part of you, Lord, and no one can separate you from my arms forever. My friends, I pray that you will not shrink back have confidence hold fast to the confidence you have need for endurance he says so that you take hold of the promise and there are promises for you for your family for this church for this nation so that's my prayer for you i want to give you one little thing that you could do if you want you can take your phone you can take your bible if you have a pen you want to post it on facebook or Twitter. Just write this as a commitment to the Lord Jesus I will never quit Jesus I will never quit if you want to write that as a commitment to the Lord now I will never shrink back I will have faith in you that's personal and also I believe for this nation Don't stop believing for the United Kingdom. Don't stop believing. Never quit. Because he will do a great work. Can I pray for us? Our friend came up and said that they've been praying for faith. So I really do. It's interesting that that was being birthed here in prayer. So, I do believe there's a a moment here for you if you want to really rise up in faith, whatever your circumstance, because we all face it. We all face this question. So, Father, I pray for my friends in this church, for myself, for our family, for this church, that we would never give up. We would believe, Lord Jesus, that you can do great things. Lord, we would play our parts, whether it's removing stones planting seeds, watering seeds. You are the one who gives growth, but we want to be faithful to what you have called us to do. I thank you for Pete and Sammy, for Bill, Lord, for Josh, for the leadership of this church, Lord, who believe for something great. Lord, we pray for wildfires, Lord. I pray that that would birth something great, that there would be a a spirit of faith, Lord, like never before, Father God, that would rise up, Lord, for this nation, for the people represented in that conference, Lord, that, 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 that festival. Father, I pray for the children today upstairs, Lord, for the youth as they go and, and they have this Holy Spirit boot camp, Lord, I pray that today you would do something miraculous in our hearts that you would birth faith, Lord, that you would give us courage and strength like never before to keep going, that we would not lose our confidence, Lord. Lord, we do have need for endurance, and we know that by your Spirit, we can stay strong, and so I pray that we would be a church, Lord, that is known for its courage, its faith, its confidence, its conviction, Lord, because you, the coming one, will come. Lord, you will not delay, and we are not of those who shrink back, but those who are faithful and preserve their souls. So, Lord, I pray that you would birth something fresh in us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.